It has come to my attention in our society that uh, there are many things that people think are common knowledge that simply aren't true. People talk about us celebrating the victory at the Alamo. We lost. And we lost bad. People say that Romeo and Juliet is a great love story. It's not. That's the most selfish piece of writing of a vision of love that I've ever seen. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't love each other. It was, it was selfishness. There was tragedy, but it wasn't a great love story. You know, some people, we think that you can see the Great Wall of China from space. You actually can't. Some people think that fish have short memories. I, I don't know. I've never talked to a fish. but <laughs> And you know, there are some people who believe that the Dallas Cowboys can play football. <laughs> we are in our final week in our series, Monsters in Church. And uh, according to Carrie, I saved the best for last. Our final monster is a classic. It's one that we've all seen. It's been remade and remade and remade. And it was even a version of him on a classic TV comedy, The Monsters. You know, we, we know what the old Hollywood version looks like, right? He's green, he's got a square head, he's got two plugs on the side of his neck, and he walks around. It's Frankenstein, you know, how that guy is. But how many of us know the real story of Frankenstein? How many of us have read the book and, and know actually what goes on there, that this doctor, driven by his selfish desire, creates this creature who only wants to make friends? He, he only wants to fit in. He only wants to find his place in the world. And people, because he was different, because he looked different, because he might have been scary, would not accept him. And he ended up running off to the, to the north wastelands to, to get away. You know, friends, I believe that we have Frankenstein in our world all the time, but sometimes we react like villagers because they seem different. We have to remember that at some point we were all Frankenstein. Romans 3 and 10 says there was no one righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were all at one point in that situation. Unless we lose sight, the Bible is clear on God's feelings of the Frankensteins in this world. And this morning we're going to look at, at how God reacts and acts and chooses people in his, in his kingdom to do the things that he wants them to do. This morning we are in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we are in a text, honestly, that we've been in before in the past year. Well, year and one week. So in the past year, we have, we have been in this text. Um, and so we are going to look at it again this morning uh, from a different angle. It is there in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. And it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat to Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. 
Father, we ask right now that you would bless this time, Father. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his Son, and all God's people said. A very familiar passage, correct? It's something that we have seen before, something we have talked about before in the idea of following Jesus. But this morning I want to look at how Jesus reacts to those people who the world sees as different because of how he may use them in his kingdom. And this morning, the first thing that we see when we read this is that when Jesus sought out followers, he did not use the world's standards. Notice who he went to talk to. He didn't go and call the pastor of, you know, they didn't have pastors, but the First Baptist Church of Jericho. That's not who he went to. He didn't talk to the priests. He didn't talk to the Pharisees. He didn't talk to the Sadducees. He picked the people, the world, especially those religious people in the world, would overlook. That's what he did. He chose people that no one else ever would. Why? You know, he does it time and again, right? When we read through Scripture, we see him picking people time and again that the world does not pick. Prostitutes, Samaritans, handicapped people, the sick, the downtrodden and and in this situation, he uses a tax collector. And we know about the Ponzi scheme that was tax collection in the Roman Empire. We know that tax collectors, by definition, had to be crooks. They had to be cheats. They had to be sinners simply because of the way this job worked. So Jesus here wasn't following the standards of the world when he chose someone. He was following the standards of God. He didn't seek out new disciples that was been in. He could have went to the Pharisees. He could have went to the scribes. He could have went and found some, some, some prophets somewhere. He could have done something that, that would make his kingdom grow the way the world would want it to grow. But he didn't seek out new disciples that would fit in. He didn't care what the other religious folks were thinking. He wasn't looking for those people who looked, talked, and lived exactly like him. So why do we? It's hard sometimes when we think about the people we're supposed to be reaching out to and inviting the church. Because we have a tendency to think everybody looks like us. We just do. I mean, that's... If I asked you to picture Santa Claus, what does Santa Claus look like? For those of us in this room, he would be a white-haired, white man, most likely, Look like me, just don't even start. But if you went to someone in a different country, Santa Claus would look different because they see people as they are. When we begin looking to, to reach people for the church, so often we look for people who are just like us. We look for people who live like us, who talk like us, who <laughs> act like us. But if we're taking the gospel to the nations, we shouldn't only be taking the gospel to people who are just like us. Jesus didn't do that. We should be striving to find people like Jesus did. Jesus wasn't looking for those people who were like him. He was looking for people who weren't like him. 
He was looking for people who were living in a different lifestyle in a different way. Because when Jesus sought out followers, he went where the sinner was. He wasn't sitting in a synagogue hoping for visitors. He wasn't thinking that the best disciples were those who sought him out. He went where they were. He was in his community. He was out and about. Jesus didn't have a church somewhere where it was planted. He went and he went into the community of all of Israel. He just kind of traveled around. He was an itinerant preacher. I mean, his, his sanctuary was the field. It was the mountain. It were those places on the lake. It was the boat. It was wherever he found the people that he wanted to talk to. For us, that may be as simple as going to school events. It may be community activities. It may be going out to eat. It may be going to the coffee shop. It's whatever it is that gets you in a situation to meet those that you might not normally meet. Did you know that you can live in La Pan and still not know everybody? <laughs> that sometimes seems like a foreign thing to some of us in small towns. You know, I graduated high school in a small town. We've always lived in small towns. Carrie is always still shocked about small towns. <laughs> Because things will happen, and you know, how do we react? Well, that's old so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. We sat here on a prayer request the other night on a Wednesday night. Took us 45 minutes to track it down. Because everybody knew somebody who was related to somebody, but nobody knew who the somebody was. That's just the way it works in small towns. But the truth is, you can live in La Pena and not know everybody. There are people we don't know. There are people who are going to hell who live in La Pena. They're there. And we just have to find them. We have to go where they are because guess what? They're, they're not going to come here. They're not going to come. They're not going to get up one morning and say, you know what? I think I should go to church. Now, it doesn't say that he spent all his time with sinners. Now, that's, that's the... That's the rub, because so many people want to make the argument, well, I'm just going to spend all of my time with sinners. I'm just going to go where they are and be there all the time, and that's what I'm going to do. Jesus didn't do that. He was spending, he was, he was where Matthew was because he was passing by. Jesus wasn't collecting taxes that day. But as he passed by the place where Matthew was doing his business, he saw Matthew and he talked to Matthew. Finding those whom Jesus seeks doesn't mean we have to spend all our time in places that lead us astray. It doesn't mean that we only associate with sinners. Jesus didn't do that. He had a balance. He, he would spend time alone with God. He would spend time in fellowship with believers. And he went where the sinners were. But that doesn't mean that we spend all of our time in those places. But it doesn't mean we don't spend any time in those places. We have to do what's going to notice the Pharisees. You're what the Pharisees do. Jesus is eating with the friends of the man he just called. He's just eating. He's sharing a meal. You know? If, if I like the food that you're serving and you invite me, I don't care who you are. I'm going to sit down and eat with you. Our society is, is based around that, is it not? We, we bond over that activity of sitting down together over a meal. It's taught in Bible school. In, in, okay, Bible college. Bible school, not BBS. We're probably there too. But it's taught in Bible college. We have a coffee room. It was a fellowship room. You went there just to drink a cup of coffee. That's all you did there was drink coffee. Why? Because it built fellowship. Just sharing a meal. And what happens? The Pharisees get mad. They get indignant. 
Why does he eat with them? Because he's hungry? Because they invited him? I'm afraid that's why so many souls go unsaved in our culture. The minute someone goes where the sinners are, the religious people cleft their tongues and say, now why would they be there? I had a man, talked about him two weeks ago. He, he was the one who would always say, I'm better than I. I'm better than I deserve to be. He came from South Texas, the valley, and there was a plate of nachos that he really loved. But it was at a place called such and such bar and grill. And he went there one day, and his pastor passed by. And the next Sunday, he said, what were you doing there? He said, I was eating supper. I was on my way home. I like the nachos. Pastor said, you can't do that. People will see your truck and, and, and think you're in there doing bad things. There was a woman one time named Mildred. Nobody's named Mildred here, is there, aren't they? Before I tell this joke, I don't want to. Yeah. woman named Mildred. She was the... Uh, Church news lady. And uh, she liked to tell you about all that was going on in the community, especially the church community. And there was a, a new man in the church by the name of George who, uh, well, he liked to go have nachos, for lack of a better word. And one day she was in church telling the news. And she said, you know, old George, I, I don't think who he says who he says he is because I saw his truck parked outside the bar there and uh, there's only one thing he could be doing inside the bar. Well, they told George about it. He didn't, he didn't bat an eye. He didn't say anything. He just drove his truck to her house and parked in her driveway and walked home and left it there all night long. <laughs> sinner have to worry about the judgment of religious people, the person trying to share the gospel and the love of Jesus with them also has to worry about it. I've seen many a church member run off because of the ministry they're performing. People just don't like it. Well, that's not really a, a ministry. Now, the truth is, the church should not be a place of judgment. Judgment has no place in the church. Judgment of any kind. You know, we, we make or break relationships with people by what we say. The words that come out of our mouths to people within these walls and out in the community can kill relationships and keep people from a word that God has for them. It just happens all the time. We, we find ourselves in these situations. Our biggest mistake usually is unintentionally hurting someone because we say things we shouldn't. And sometimes it's that, uh, that friendship, that... Um, that we have. You know, the, the worst thing that we can do is bring up someone's failure to them in a way that could come across as unloving. People know when they fail. People know when they fall. They understand that. They don't need us to tell them. They need us to walk alongside them and lift them up. They need us to be there. Our biggest problem is when we think we know somebody let our guard down and say stupid things. How many of us in our lives had said something like this? Long time no see. 
was at a I was at a church one time and I never could win a family back to the church who had been there for years because they had had some issues going on in their family and they, they weren't at church and this was before I got there. Come to find out, one of the deacons was doing announcements one morning and pointed out that they were in church in the wrong way. They were hurt. So the church is a family, but we, we still get embarrassed as a family. We still do things that, that we don't want to do. And we have to watch the things that we say. And it isn't things can blow up in our faces. When we're joking that that person who hasn't been to church in a while, they're painfully aware they haven't been to church. And without meaning to, we make them feel guilty or not worthy. And that's just ridiculous because we don't know the backstory. We don't know what's going on. We, we don't know what it is that's kept them away from fellowship. And when we make a judgment and we say something stupid, it's just stupid. And that word is stupid. It may be ignorant when we start, but if we continue on, it becomes stupid. Do we know the difference between ignorant and stupid? Here's my English lesson for the day. Ignorant literally means you have no knowledge of it. You know, I got a ticket one time because I was ignorant. I didn't know the speed limit was 45, and I was going 50. Still got the ticket. Now, if I know the speed limit is 45 and I'm going 55, that's stupid. Because I've made that choice. It's gone beyond not understanding and not knowing. We can't afford to come across as judgmental because that's not the gospel. And, and we judge those individuals trying to reach the lost because of where they are. We damage the kingdom. We say, you shouldn't be there. What about those people they may, they may grab? Did you know... There is, a, uh, there is a whole ministry of specialized dancers. That's what I'm going to call them. Um, their dancing isn't exactly child-friendly or Christian-friendly. They're ex-specialized dancers. Are you lost on what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping I'm getting the point across. Okay. And their ministry is they go back into these establishments to minister to these women still in the business to help pull them out of the business. But there are people who would look at them and go, that can't be a ministry. Why? They are, they are going in to pull people out of what they have come out of. When we judge people for doing those things like that, we find that we are damaging the kingdom. We can't be the Pharisees and judge the sinner as well as the person trying to reach them. They were judging not only the sinner here, but they were judging Jesus. They were judging the disciples. What were they saying? Oh my goodness, I can't believe they're eating with them. They're going to become unclean. Half the things Jesus did made him unclean to their laws, but he still did what he was called to do because God called him to do it. I have to unpack this, what they said here, though. The gospel, the message of Jesus, isn't just for religious people. It's for those lost in sin. I almost said here instead, the message of Jesus isn't for religious people. It's for those lost in sin. But that would only be a half-truth. The truth of the matter is, it is first and foremost for those lost in sin. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't have bearing in our lives. His message definitely has bearing in our lives. And I'm not saying that the church isn't for believers. I told you two weeks ago, that's exactly who the church is for. What I am saying is he came for the sinners and the sick. His desire is for mercy. 
His desire is for grace. The message of Jesus is for one of those, it's, it's for those who are perishing, not for those who are religious. You won't save people with great theology. You won't save people with good ideas. You won't save people with a prayer or a program or a special event. You won't save people at all. Jesus saves people. If you introduce them to Jesus, he can change their life. Salvation is found in that name. Healing is found in that name. Completeness is found in that name. And when we preach Jesus, it's a life raft to the perishing. Those who know Jesus should have this. They should have this raft that we throw to somebody else. But I desperately want to understand this tongue-in-cheek remark of Jesus here. They say, why in the world is he eating with them? And Jesus says... Well, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come for the righteous, but for the sinners. Those who are judging the Pharisees, the religious people, the well people of the world, in their eyes, they knew they were worthy. And they knew who was worthy to have a great teacher at their table. It's sinners. Catch what Jesus says. You're well. You're not sick. You're good. You got religion. What do you need with another teacher? You got what you need, right? Why should I spend my life butting heads with you since you know it all already? You're not going to listen to me anyway. You have your ways. And according to you, you know the way. You know the truth. You know the lie. You're not. You're going to make it. So I'm, I'm going to take the message to those who want it. You know. The, and then later in the, the Gospels, Jesus says to one of these people, you're vipers, you're sons of the devil, you're evildoers. Are you catching this? It's usually those who think they have it all worked out that are missing Jesus. That's where they're at. Man, they come in and they say, what's he doing? He, why would he do that? And he says, y'all got it all taken care of. Y'all got it all under control. Y'all understand the message. Y'all are going to get there. Y'all have the law. It's okay. I have come for sinners. Jesus is saying, one more teacher isn't going to save you. One more theology isn't going to save you. One more law isn't going to save you. One more opinion isn't going to save you. But you're well anyway. You got it, right? Then he says something that shows exactly what he means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's going back to Hosea. He's going back to the prophets. Israel was condemned by the prophets and sent into exile for their treatment of those around them. God even condemned their sacrifices. He despised their worship. He said, it's a stench in my nostrils. He says, I don't even want that. Jesus in this moment is looking at these religious people square in the eyes saying, you missed the boat. You who think you're worthy, you're just as dirty as these people you're calling a sinner. If you think you have it all worked out, you need to look again. Jesus didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. And when he calls you unto him, he puts you on a path that transforms your life. God has always been clear what he wants from his people. It's summed up pretty good in Micah 6.8. What does it say there? I told you, O man, what I require. To what? 
to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's worship. We can bring all those stuff. We can check our Sunday school box. We can do all those things. But if we are not giving mercy, if we're not being people of grace, what's going to happen? We're not pleasing God. You know, Frankenstein exists in all of our churches, but like the novel, too often we're the monsters. Frankenstein wasn't a monster. The monster wasn't a monster. Dr. Frankenstein was. The villagers were the monsters. Sometimes I'm afraid the truth of the book is the truth of the church. That creature wasn't a monster. Those who were judging him were. And they set out to destroy him because he wasn't like they thought he should be. We live in a world that uh, will eat you up and spit you out. We live in a world that tells people they have to look a certain way, be a certain way, accept certain things. And do the things that I told you you need to do or you're not going to fit in. That's the world we live in. And if that's what the world is, that's what the church shouldn't be. <laughs> One of the things that we love about this church and that honestly I, it was the thing that said to Carrie the morning we came to view of a call that she wanted to be here was the diversity of Saul. Was <laughs> that even this morning we started with a contemporary song we had some hymns, we sang some other contemporary, and we finished with the Southern Gospel song. Ain't none of that the same. It ain't supposed to work together, but it does. The beauty of the church is supposed to be that we are a body made up of many members and we all have different gifts that we get to use in service to Jesus. That's what's supposed to be, right? We can't be the monsters of Frankenstein. We can't look at people and they come in and say, well, you don't fight me. I have a friend who I'm very proud of at this point who has found a church home and he takes his family to church every week and he is He's following God as the best of his ability. But there was a time about 19 years ago that he was living in Mineral Wells and he went to a church. And he got up that morning and put on the best clothes he had. It's a nice pair of blue jean shorts and a polo shirt. But he has a tattoo on his cap. And he 
he sat there and worshiped and had a good time and was planning on coming back and he was met at the door by a deacon who said, you might find it more comfortable to worship at another church. He didn't go to church for 15 years. We can't be those people. We can't be the monsters in the book of Frankenstein. Maybe this morning, maybe you have felt like Frankenstein. Maybe you have felt like an outcast and you have felt like you didn't quite fit in. Now's the time to just say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give it to you and I know you'll make me fit in. Maybe this morning, you've been the monster. Maybe you've been looking at people saying, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't do that. You should look like me. Now's the time to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Give me a heart like you. Maybe it's when you have some other need. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church membership. Maybe you want to rededicate your life. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus. Maybe you're still lost in that sin. Maybe you are still in a spot where you've never found the freedom and had those chains broken. Now's the time. Now's the time to walk the outside of the trial. I want to know Jesus, and so we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray?